Today on Podcast by the Bay, current city of Colma Mayor Raquel Gonzalez. Colma is a great place to live, and you know, as they always say, it's great to be alive in Colma, but it's nice to have a small town community still, where you still know a lot of your neighbors and everybody knows each other. Also, Patrick takes Podcast by the Bay live to the Special Needs Kids Summit here in San Mateo. Students with any, any sort of disability can be productive members of, of society, and uh, there are uh, various skills, there's, I, there's various um, uh, entities that, that, that are, are glad to hire those folks, and they're very helpful. Um, so uh, I, I do think, I think there's been a trend for some, for some better uh, programs and vocational you know, skills trainings and things like that. So All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another Podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And thank you for tuning in to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. We are excited to have you with us. We are excited to have you participating in this process of really understanding about what's happening in the community and just uh, engaging with us. So, yeah, we're happy to have you with us. And on today's show, we're continuing our mayor series, uh, and we have an exclusive interview with the Coma Mayor. And also, we're on the second part of the show, we're going to talk about special needs here in San Mateo, uh, Foster City. So we have a stack show today. And so, Patrick, you met with the mayor of Coma, and so maybe you can explain and give a little bit of background about the town and then maybe about the mayor in the interview. Okay, um, Coma is otherwise known as the City of Souls. Um, it lays between the San Francisco border and South San Francisco uh, and close to Daly City. Coma is believed to be the Ione Indian word meaning many springs. Um, the events that led to the incorporation of the town of Coma began about five years from uh, five years when it incorporated in 1924. Um, a lot of people moved in 1849 during the gold rush, hundreds of thousands of people to San Francisco. And there was 26 cemeteries that were established in the 1880s in Coma. Um, in 1887, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese established Holy Cross Cemetery. Uh, in late 1890s, Coma also passed a state, state penal code 297 prohibiting burials anywhere except established cemeteries. So, uh, during the uh, earlier parts of San Francisco, um, Coma was the uh, burial grounds for most of the people that passed away. Uh, we have some famous people that live in Coma. Uh, you know, the you know, 
we're we're going to leave the leave that up for the uh, Ray Gonzalez. Ray Gonzalez is the mayor. It is a nice lady. She has worked in the city of Como for many years. Population of Como is approximately fifteen thousand. Um, they also have approximately one point five million people buried in Coma. Um, so, and, and some of the history of Coma is, is uh, they've got a nice old historical mu- museum, which is off 1500 Hillst- Hillside Boulevard. That's where I interviewed the, uh, the mayor. Uh, and the city manager um, also uh, was there too, and which was kind of nice. He kind of helped her out with the, inter- the interview if she uh, got stuck on some of my questions. We talked about housing, and in, in, in Coma, you have to realize there's not very many areas for any new development at all. Um, they do own, or not the city, but in Coma is also the Auto Row area. Um, I brought up the Auto Row area because maybe sometime that that property could be a mixed use situation, um, uh, and a mixed use situation of maybe housing and also transportation. Um, uh, Como also was a, a little controversial a number of years ago because they were well known that if you lived in the city of Coma that you could get tickets for the Giants game, the 49ers games, and um, it was just kind of a perk for li- living in the city of Coma. Nice. Well, they no longer do that. Uh, they don't give those 49ers and those Warrior tickets anymore, but they do help out uh, with the community service. Uh, the sad thing in Coma is a lot of their children cannot afford to live in Coma. Um, it's kind of a hands-on community. It's, it's probably the small, it is the smallest city in, on the peninsula. Um, it was exciting to see that they have a lot of uh, history there, uh, and that, uh, um, you know, some famous people were buried there. I think, uh, Matt Dillon, or what was it, uh, who's the famous guy that was buried in there? Wired Matt Herb. Dillon or Wired Herb. Wired yeah, Herb Wired is buried Herb. there yes. too. Yeah. And uh, so there's quite a few others. The other is Joe, Di- Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio is, is also buried in, in Holy Cross Cemetery. And everybody knows him. You can go by his grave and you'll go see some baseball bats and some baseballs. Um, all in all, it was an honor to interview Ray Gonzalez, a very dedicated person for the community. Um, and uh, very close-knit. You, you've got to visit the city of Coma, uh, not just to bury somebody, but just to meet the people that, that run that city of Coma. It was an honor. Well, that that's all great to hear. And I, and I do want to clarify, her name is Raquel Ray Gonzalez as the mayor uh, you know, of Coma. And yeah, I mean, I actually was one of the FedEx drivers for Daily City and Coma um, for a number of years, about six years. So I actually know Daily City, Coma very well. I drove all around the back streets and I know all the different uh, little entities and businesses and things like that. So I'm very familiar with uh, the Coma area and all the different cemeteries and all the different types of cemeteries. So I actually do have family that are buried in uh, some of the cemeteries there. And so, yeah, Coma has always been a, a part of uh, my background. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased that, that we are actually able to secure that interview and speak with uh, Raquel Ray Gonzalez and really understand. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing. So, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and get to the interview. We're going to go ahead and present it. And then afterwards, we're going to come back and actually talk about some of the special needs. And then Patrick really went down to the special needs. Uh, uh, there was a big uh, uh, meeting, a presentation about the special needs. So we're going to get into that when we get back from the interview. So 
We'll stay tuned right here. We're going to get to the uh, the Ray uh, Gonzalez interview, and then we'll be back in a couple minutes. All right, stay tuned. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. We're fortunate to interview uh, Rachel or Ray Gonzalez. She's the new mayor in the town of Coma, and that's uh, sister city to the town I grew up in, which was Daly City. Brian Dorsey, the city manager, is also sitting in here, too. I appreciate that. Thanks, Brian. Um, well, Ray, how'd you get into politics? Why don't you give some, first of all, why don't you tell us what your background professionally is? Sure. Uh, well, I used to work for the town of Comar in an administrative capacity, and uh, I did that for almost eight years. That was almost, uh, I guess, around 89. And uh, prior to that, I had been uh, just come out of San Francisco State, and there was just one person running around. And I was like, do you need help back here? And so I tried it out for a couple weeks. So I volunteered first before I took the position, which was great. Um, from that, I took a position as a treasurer. So I was the city treasurer for a while. I wanted to be more involved and have more of a voice and make more decisions for my community. And then I became a council member. What, what's your hometown? Coma. Coma. Okay, well that's good. So I, was, I was actually born in San Francisco. Okay. I've lived here since the Okay, what was your major in school? Uh, graphic arts, believe it or not. Graphic arts. Okay, so we need some creativity in government. Yeah. That's good. Well, yeah. well uh, now, is this your first term on council, or how long have you been on the council in Coma? This is my third term. Third term, okay. So are you termed out in Coma? No, believe it or not. There's no, no term limits in Coma? No term Okay, limits. That's, that's interesting. Now, how do you do the mayor? Is it a rotational thing? Yes, it's rotational. Okay. So, and sometimes, like the last time I wasn't able to do it, um, at that time, unfortunately, I was just having a surgery. So I passed, and then the next person takes it. But we have excellent counsel. Well, I wanted to make it a point that I interviewed Coma because I think Coma is neglected. You know, we <laughs> always hear those standard jokes that most of the people in Coma are all buried. So. Yeah. Um, I'm, it's an honor to, to, to have you here on Podcast by the Bay. Can you tell us what some of your vision is for the town of Coma today and 10 years down the road? Where, where do you see the growth happening in Coma? Uh, well, we are going to be getting a new complex coming up uh, on board. We assume a 66-unit complex for the veterans, which is very exciting. And that's going to be on Mission Road, kind of intersects with the closest is El Camino Real. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, as far as housing, you know, housing, we're really kind of built out. Uh, Coma is about 70% cemeteries, and uh, most of the housing, you know, we do have a senior housing that we've provided, and we also have a low-income housing that's in the Verano uh, complex. So cur currently are um, your vets... Uh Veteran housing that you're building is strictly for veterans? Correct. Okay, that's great. And that's 66 units. That's quite a lot of units. It is. When's that going to be completed? Uh, 20, 2019, I believe it is. So 2019? 2019. Are you guys working at all with any below market rents or first-time affordable housing? Well, for that unit, is, I think it's gonna, they're going to have some in there, a percentage. I can't remember if there's a percentage in that. I mean, I know we have some in the, uh, like I said, the senior housing or the Verano. Uh, I think we call the, the, oh, hip housing, yeah. We do the hip housing as well, but 
other than the low-income, we work with heart and hip housing. Okay. So I noticed that most of the cities collectively are all working with the heart program because I know we right. all kind of went through that real recession, and I think some of the cities in some ways got burnt a little bit on the property where they, you know, they went back to the housing stock and didn't go to the affordable housing stock. Is there any affordable housing uh, currently that the city is maintaining? I know some cities that I've talked to, they may own some housing, uh, and they make it like below market rent. That would be our senior housing. Our senior housing, uh, which is our Ramon Camino, where our remodeling of our existing town hall is, that is... Uh, okay, now now that's not strictly for veterans, or is that just for mm-hmm. seniors? And how, how large is that? Uh, yeah, I think it's like 18 or 19 units. 18 or 19. What's the population in Colma? Uh, roughly around 1,500 alive and 1.5 million resting in peace. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> I know you've got some famous people that are buried in Colma besides uh, Joe DiMaggio and who else? Wyatt Herb, I think, is is buried here too, and I know there's a lot of people that uh, come to see his grave too. So, um, with that, and when we're talking about um, a couple of the major things, um, your workforce housing, the people that work for the city of Coma, do the majority of them live in Coma, or do they live in surrounding cities? They live in surrounding cities. Uh, you know, pretty much down in Peninsula, Banks, and San Francisco, which is close by. Uh, some of our officers are they're kind of scattered about, but I'd say it's surrounding. Well, I know we've always heard on the street that Coma is very solvent, and I'm, are you guys in a unique situation that you can fund your retirement, um, or are you guys running into the same problems that other cities are running with with the retirement? We're running into the same. You know, okay. it's, it's very hard on all the local jurisdictions. Uh, however, we are looking at uh, trying to pay down some of that. Um, so you, this is such a unique town in a, in a beautiful town. And, and uh, to live here is uh, probably a lot of people that have been here a long time. Is that Would you say that that's a fair evaluation? Yes, I would. Um, we do have a uh, senior, an active senior population. And we do have gosh, at least a handful that's 90 plus uh, and they've been here forever. So they've seen all the changes that have come through, um, and they're still active in our community, which is good, as much as they can be. Um, Are you doing any housing assistant programs like some cities do for the senior citizens that may not be able to put a roof on or, or get those double-pane windows? Are you working currently with anything like that? I think, I don't know that we currently are. We've had had that program go on a couple times um, various years where they have been able to do that. Sometimes um, it's energy related and they do more like uh, refrigerators or things like that. But we have had them do the windows. We've also had, what's the one where they, yes, the painting, what's the program that comes out? Yeah, it's called something else. So it used to be Christmas in April, but it's another one that we have. And, and some of the homes that are in need of repair, uh, they're able to apply for that as well. And we've had a couple houses in town. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what are, what are um, you're, you're in a unique situation here. You, you you probably need housing, maybe a little bit. I don't know. What's what, what's the demographics? Uh, you said your population is about 1,500. And, and you currently... Would you say the majority of the people own their own house? I want 
to say, is it 32%? I want to say something okay. like that is about maybe who owns. We have a, a lot of rentals. Um, <clears throat> and most of them have been here a while. We are getting new housing that's on B Street coming in. Okay. Um, I think there's nine units coming in. But they're, they're huge. They're like three stories. And they're 1.5, I believe. Okay, so that'll be market rate. That's the market rate, but not... Okay, one of the buzzwords that's going around in, uh, is called workforce housing, which is a little bit different than what we talk about um, uh, below market rent. It's for respond, police responders, school teachers, uh, maybe bankers, people that are not necessarily making the big dot-com money. Does Coma have anything in place or looking at that? Uh, we don't currently. We are in discussion of a possible uh, few areas that we might be able to do something like that. Uh, again, we kind of work with the hip housing and heart probably to closely do that. I know that some of the school districts are doing that as well for their teachers. Um, we don't have schools in Coma. Uh, we have them in our neighboring cities. So right now we do, we're kind of built out. <laughs> Right, that's unique. Is there any property available that you think that'll come up in the future for Coma? Uh, there's a couple of sites. Uh, there's uh, used to be double sandblasting, double R sandblasting, which is right on El Camino, uh, almost across from Bart. So okay. If that gets purchased, I mean, that could be a, a possible area. Okay, would that be um, density housing or? I would think more density. Okay. You know, more. They're kind of doing the ones where they have the commercial on the bottom. Sure. Mixed-use situation. That's great. Let's go back to the workforce housing because uh, we're all up in the dilemma with traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, And the traffic, whether it's 101 north or south, or it's 280 east or west, or 92. Are you guys working with uh, the surrounding cities, maybe uh, Daly City or South San Francisco, or is there any collaboration going on? Hillside, um, first of all, we, we have, since we're kind of like a pass-through city, Juniper Serra and Hillside are both used quite a bit. We resurface the Juniper Serra Boulevard, and Hillside is our next project that we're wanting to uh, get a hold of in our capital improvements project. We have put in a grant application through the, uh, I think it's Get Us Moving, so that we can get that resurfaced. Um, we're also looking at, we applied for a shuttle program to not only help the residents and people coming off of BART, we're fortunate that way too, we have BART in both at South City and Oma. So are you working, um, Foster City and San Mateo at one point did a thing called Scoop, mm -hmm. uh, and Scoop was a basically a subsidy where uh, each city put in, let's say, twenty-five or $30,000. And Scoop was picking up people within, and it was kind of a carpooling thing. And the idea was people that work within a 15 or 20 mile radius of their work, the city was finding a way to subsidize it. Now, since then, they, they've collaborated with other groups. Are you guys collaborating currently with any cities or um, businesses that would help with the transportation? Uh, we're currently working with commute.org. And okay. they provide a subsidy to the employers for their employees who are trying to take public transportation. Uh, we did look at a shuttle, uh, and we're thinking of possibly looking to our neighbors uh, 
in South City because they have an existing shuttle and we want to see how we could maybe broaden the length of the shuttle. How do you think we can improve the transportation uh, situation on the peninsula? Um, one of the unique things that we have, we we don't have a transit district. Um, as you know, everybody's fighting for ridership because that means state and federal money. So we're, I'm kind of putting out to all the, the, the uh, mayors and maybe even the uh, uh, city managers is it, wouldn't it be more prudent that we had a transit we do we're very unique to have a clipper card that works mm-hmm. but they're all fighting for the same dollars i was informed recently that the uh, uh that the bus system the caltrans bus system is ridership is down but with the uniqueness of the audience or the young employees that we have they probably would rather take a shuttle than be on a sam trams bus when they're wanting to be on wi-fi Um, You know, that is the million-dollar question. How can we solve this, you know, gridlock that everybody seems to be stuck in? Uh, Right now, you know, for us, it's providing subsidies, you know, or trying to get with a program that provides a subsidy to either carpool or um, try to take that public transportation. But that's getting pretty full as well. Uh, You know, the BART is going up although they're going to have new cars hopefully that's going to provide more ridership as they're taking out i guess some seats um and caltrain you know they're having their improvements so we're hoping that that's going to um, be able to pick up more ridership excellent how long have you been with the, with the city brian uh 14 years wow congratulations you're, you're catching up with the chief almost, uh, almost there right now where are you from brian Daily City, born and raised too. Now, where did you go to school in Daily City? I started at Olympia, then I went to Tobias, and then Ben Franklin and Westmore. I went to Westmore too and went to Ben Franklin. Actually, my co-anchor, Andre DeVito, actually went to Ben Franklin, Garden Village, and and uh, I don't think he went to Westmore, but I'm not sure. So what a unique situation. Wow. wow. So. Yeah. A couple of Couple of local people. We're 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 lucky to survive out here. <laughs> you got to earn good 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 income. Now I was told. Now I'm not I'm not authenticating this story. I just heard it on the streets, and this was a few years back. We were, I heard that people in Coma, if you lived here, and there was some Giants tickets or 49er tickets, the city of Coma would give you tickets to go to the games. I don't know how accurate that is. And it probably is not being done still or not? No. Well, we, it used to be at one time. Our city manager, Francis Liston, uh, wanted to give the residents an opportunity to have culture or attend a game or, um, you know, we had theater tickets. We had, and she felt that most of the residents probably would never do that in their life. So we did have season tickets to the Giants, to the Warriors, to the 49ers. And uh, we went to the theater maybe four times a year. So at that time, we used to have a newsletter, and we would um, advertise what was being, uh, whether it's the theater or the games, and you would submit an application with your games that you would like to attend. And uh, for a small fee, they would pay, and they'd be able to go to the game. Um, Since moving fast forward... (laughs) that we no longer have season tickets to any. We do have the theater. We still offer the theater. Um, And I think it is great because a lot of people who do go, they say, you know, I would never have done this if it hasn't been through Colmont and their programs. 
Um, so our rec department does a really good job. Uh, we visit some of the wineries. Uh, the seniors have a good program where they take day trips. Sometimes they go to the show, have lunch. Um, but there again, they probably wouldn't do it. They would just stay home, you know, watch the TV. Um, but it was excellent programs, and it was, I mean, we still have it now, but at those times, it was great to go to the games. Well, I, 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 the, the nice thing about Coma, and I've been watching Coma for probably 30 or 40 years, is the uniqueness is they stay Coma. Um, I know there's been times, uh, economic times, when they were thought of merging with Daly City, I think, at one point. Um, and maybe, I don't know if South San Francisco was on it, but I know Daly City was. So that's a very unique thing to our audience. And it was kind of important for me to, to make sure that I reached out to you guys to, this is the old town hall feeling. This is, this is a location, um, a unique group of people, unique land, being 70% uh, cemetery, but a very unique opportunity. Now, I'm going to ask you the, the question and probably... You get to go to all these uh, leadership conferences and uh, city conferences and stuff like that. What do you think about uh, the regionalization of government? The buzzword that's going around now is that, well, we need to consolidate. We need to consolidate like we've done with um, on the peninsula with the police as we started with Milbray and we had the sheriff's department with San Carlos. Um, you're a unique in the respect you've never you've been able to avoid that completely mm-hmm. but looking at it from their perspective for a moment do you think it makes sense for us we're, we're pretty unique because we're between daily city and south city so it's not like we're pacifica where you have to go the response time i'm thinking of the response time for whether it's uh, police or fire okay or and i'm thinking of the dispatcher who have to dispatch that um officer or emergency service for us I think uh, I don't want to say that it, it's a possible idea uh, only because I can hear my residents screaming at me right now saying don't consider it <laughs> uh, I would just have to say probably no right now I mean I, I see where it's being done and it, and it does work for a lot of cities where they're located um, but I'm gonna say no. Okay. If you had if if you had a magic <laughs> wand right now and you you had three wishes for a coma, what would those wishes be? What would you like to do to enhance the great living in coma? I don't know. Man, that's a good one. Let's see. I would like to have uh, a little more diversification in our business. Um, right now, we do have some. Uh, locations that are empty, and like, of course, I like to have them all full. Um, we're pretty lucky in a lot of things. Um, perhaps get some of our capital improvements projects finished. You know, like whether it's the repaving of the mm-hmm. side, uh, so that uh, it's better for people passing through. Now, is Target part of your yes. property? And, and uh, where else is? Um, is there any of the dealerships part of your property too? We have all. Ceremony Row. All Ceremony Row. One of the things that we're seeing, and of course, obviously in retail, if we look down the road, is a mixed-use situation with housing and retail, Um, especially since people are now buying cars through the internet uh, and stuff like that. Do you you think that those dealerships are always going to be there? 
I think so. I think things may change as far as, you know, like we're seeing more of the electric car, more of the, um, now they're going to have the cars without drivers. I think changes may come through. I think the dealers will be there. Um, now, is that privately, that's privately owned, the city of Como doesn't own the property, do they? No. 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 Okay. Property. That's great. Yeah. I do anticipate a change, you know, exactly what that's going to be. I don't know. I mean, we might be having more spaces that uh, have more charging stations for the electric cars. Um, but I, there may be some that could, you know, as anything, uh, some may fall through the cracks and, and may change, which is kind of like why we would like to do some diversification. I mean, we weathered the last storm when we had the recession and we did lose some dealerships. Um, but now we're full. We just got a CarMax, and uh, that's up, almost at Hillside on Ceremony Boulevard. Well, when you look up the peninsula up and down, like we had the unique property um, off of 92, which was the uh, Kmart, and that's going to be a mixed-use situation. So my vision is kind of looking and knowing the area up here that maybe someday one of those dealerships will be gone. And then maybe it might be an ideal situation for a mixed-use situation like you were talking about. We do have a, uh, urban designers that are doing a master plan uh, for the beautification of ceremony and Collins. So okay. uh, they're looking at the improvements that could mm-hmm. there and possible plans that could go there as well. So perhaps that could be areas where they could have a mixed-use. Uh, but right now it's the studies currently being done, so we'll... To well, back. is there anything in closing you'd like to say? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm still thinking back on my three wishes. <laughs> oh, I think you got to two, didn't you? Yeah, I think you got to two. You know, Coma is a great place to live. And, you know, as they always say, it's great to be alive in Coma. But it's nice to have a small town community still where you still know a lot of your neighbors and everybody knows each other. Well, I'm glad at podcast for the baby that we reached out to you, and and uh, and I'm I'm assured that probably we're going to get a lot of people just going on there to listen to your podcast. It's an honor to meet you. It's an honor to meet your your city manager here too. Uh, and on um, behalf of Podcast by the Bay, we look forward to another interview with you. We we're also trying to look uh, down the road, Brian, to see if we can get city managers together to maybe do a Zoom so that they can conference. You guys all work so hard, and you work so hard for your individual cities that the only time you have an opportunity, even as a mayor, is you go to a leadership conference, and they kind of guide you along, and then you come back. And then you you scratch your head, and you say, I thought San Carlos was doing something. So if you have an opportunity to connect with another city, we're going to try to see if we can do a better job of getting the news out there and getting people to collaborate a little bit better. I appreciate the opportunity and thank you for you know making me aware of the podcast because I think that's something that's going to go on other than my radio now. I'll be able to listen to podcasts. All right. Thanks again. Okay. Welcome back to Podcast by the Bay. We'd like to thank Rachel Ray Gonzalez uh, for the exclusive interview with Podcast by the Bay. So now we're going to go ahead and get into a new segment that uh, or another part of our show, which actually we had talked to uh, some of the special needs uh, issues that are happening on the San Mateo Foster City. So, Patrick, you actually went to one of the meetings that were actually discussing some of the special needs, uh, some of the issues that are happening, and it really was highlighting this. So, 
Can you go ahead and give us a background to take us into this uh, exclusive uh, highlight? Right. I, I attended the San Mateo Foster City Elementary School District oh, probably about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And a Mr. Steve Davis uh, has a three-year-old uh, son that has autism. He presented himself before the San Mateo uh, Foster City Elementary School District passionate about um, wanting to have some more accountability for special needs. Um, as a special needs uh, teacher that I've, I've taught in the Sequoia School District, I, I realize what he means by accountability. And we, what he meant about accountability is not all teachers um, are really more trained or receptive to working with kids with special needs. Uh, they need to have grades, they need to have test scores, and they need to have... Um, uh, you know, an IP. An IP uh, is an instruction uh, progress report uh, that the teachers have on it. Uh, Steve was concerned. It's good that Steve is, uh, Mr. Davis was a concerned parent. He wanted to create a panel, so to speak, or get the experts. We might, might mention Chelsea Bellini. She was um, on that uh, special needs uh, board with Steve Davis. She's very passionate about that, too, as you know. Uh, uh, Chelsea lives in the city of San Mateo. Uh, between Steve Davis and and Chelsea, we were able to get they were able to get a panel together, uh, and the panel um, were from the elementary school district. Uh, they were they were from the high school school district, and um, they were they were bringing forward uh, a discussion, uh, which was well attended, I might say. Um, uh, the predominant predominant uh, people were women. Uh, there was not very many men there. That shows the sensitivity that maybe a father may have. This was done on a on a I think it was like a Thursday or Friday night. Um, and some of the speakers that they that they had they had uh, Clint Fuentes. He's a chance to excel, and he was a nonprofit. He lives in San Mateo, and he's helping to raise money. We had Carolyn Swartzenboard. She was a San Mateo Unified High School District. We also had Nicole. Uh, she was a certified music therapist. So they were bringing a lot of different uh, expertise. We also had Karen Breslow. She's a program coordinator for the San Mateo County Office of Education. We had a social worker, um, and she remains anonymous. She did not want to be interviewed with podcasts by the Bay. Um, it was a great panel discussion. I'm not 100% sure what was accomplished, but it was accomplished that there is a concern by a lot of parents on accountability uh, and the accountability um, for kids of special needs. Uh, so I was glad to, I was honored to be there. I was honored to interview the people. And um, I look forward to seeing if they make some progress on this. And we're going to follow up with it. Well, we thank you for reaching out and attending the the meeting and actually being there and really interviewing some of the panel members. And so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and feature that right now, uh, Patrick's uh, interviews. And so, yeah, we do appreciate everybody for looking into the special needs, right? That's a, that's something that's important in our society, right? People have special needs. There's, there's issues happening. And I think uh, it was highlighted that San Mateo Foster City is probably w maybe not one of the, the leading the leading forefront on this issue. So I think it's good that people are looking into it and trying to actually address some of these issues. So. Anyway, so we're going to go ahead and uh, with that, we're going to keep on moving. So if you have any uh, questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us, podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash podcastbythebay. And, yeah, reach out to us and, uh, you know, thanks for staying engaged. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and get to the interview right now. And uh, with that, this is Andre. 
This is Patrick, and remember, Podcast by the Bay wants to hear your concerns, wants to hear your questions, so please reach out to us, Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Patrick with Podcast by the Bay. I'm out at joinssnkids.org, Better Outcomes for All of Our Special Needs Kids. Uh, their goal is some initial goals for our schools, better scorecards and metrics for our schools, better transparency of all our district service options, training for parents, universal goals based on summer school for special needs kids, better collaboration between agencies and service providers from diagnosis on. Join us and help us give all the special needs kids the tools that they deserve. Contact to help with questions, call Steve, 650-278-7416. Steve also has a special needs son that has autism. Thank you. This is Patrick Podcast from the Bay. Okay, we have the opportunity to speak with San Mateo County Office of Education, Karen Breslow. He's a program coordinator for special education in a local plan area. Welcome to this event. Can you tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish tonight, Karen? Oh, thank you. Yes, I am hoping to hear questions from parents who have concerns about special education and to be able to answer those in a more global way. I am working with our SELPA office, so we are advisory to all of the school districts in the county of San Mateo, and so we provide technical assistance, professional development, and also appropriate dispute resolution. And how long have you been in this field, Karen? 43 years. Wow, and you're still (laughs) smiling. We appreciate somebody that works for the county and especially for special needs kids. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you. Next, Patrick speaks with Dr. Mary Browning, who is a coordinator of inclusive services for the San Mateo County of Education Student Services Program. We're also honored tonight at this symposium to have Mary Browning. Mary Browning is with the San Mateo County of Education. She's the coordinator for inclusive services. Mary, what do you what do you would like to accomplish tonight in this uh, this panel of people? I would like to share um, the services, the special education services offered by the County Office of Education, um, to provide the families information about what we do to be a resource both to them and to the local school districts to kind of close some gaps. Um, in services for children with disabilities. What's your background, Mary? So I have um, a doctorate in developmental psychology and um, a master's in school psychology, and I've been working in special education for over 30 years, for quite a while now, and um, have worked in Ohio, Washington State, and have been in California just for the last five years. Well, I congratulate you on that, and that's definitely more than public service and more than a job. I know I I taught kids for a short period of time with autism in the Sequoia High School District, and I do get called up once in a while to teach. Yeah. Uh, it's a high-demanding field. We're really understaffed on that. Um, is there anything you'd like to see that, to improve in the curriculum uh, for the uh, special needs children? I think um, there have been a lot of improvements over the last decade in the curriculum because um, we are now... Um, monitoring accountability where we used to um, exempt children with special needs from our accountability systems and I think that's been a real driving force that's actually been helpful um, that we are very focused on outcomes and integrating 
both um, integrating special education with general education initiatives. So I think that's very hopeful, actually, in terms of curriculum for students with special needs. I have a passion to see that we do something in the community college. What's happening in that level for special needs, and especially uh, people with autism, too, that are masked behind that uh, personality of theirs? Yeah, so I am not a good resource to answer that question around community colleges and how they're accommodating um, students with special needs. Do they have a special needs department in community colleges? I think, yeah, absolutely. Most most do. Um, you know, they are obligated under um, federal laws to accommodate individuals with disabilities, but in terms of what the local community colleges do, I'm really not well versed in that. Okay, Mary, are you from around this area yourself? I'm from Kentucky. You're from Kentucky. <laughs> okay, well, welcome to California. It sounds like you've been in California for a while. Just five years. Not, Just five? Yeah, not very long. So did you teach back in Kentucky special needs? I did not. I actually did my graduate work in Ohio and was there for um, quite a while, about 15 years, and then was in Washington State for 17 years before I came here. So it's been actually very interesting to see... Um, different states and how they implement um, innovations and uh, to, to kind of move across the country and, and see the different trends. Well, again, we appreciate you taking the time for the interview, and we look forward to hearing the panelists and see what they're going to say. Great. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Next, Patrick speaks with music therapist Nicole Pattern about special needs. Hi, Nicole. We have Nicole Pattern. She's got an MA, an MT, and a BC, and she's board-certified music therapist. Hi. Um, Yes, I am now offering music therapy groups here in San Mateo at Congregational Church the third Saturday of the month, and I work with children with all disabilities from age birth to 15, and um, we're just launching it. We already have one music therapy group that meets at um, in Foster City on the third Saturday of the month, and then we're hoping to add more groups to this well, area. Well, I was very honored to live in the city of Foster City, and very proud of the city that made a Down Syndrome Week, um, yes. and we had the Down Syndrome students or children come to the city council. That was a very, very special moment for all of us. It was huge. I also work with the Down Syndrome Connection of the Bay Area, and that's how I ended up coming this way to um, provide music therapy services here. I also do them in Danville. Danville. And Nicole, how long have you been in this profession? I've been in it since 1992. Wow. That's a lot of dedication. Did you have any children with special needs yourself? I did not. My mom was a special ed teacher, so I grew up with always working in her classroom, and I always had a love for music. And when I heard about music therapy, I thought, wow, it's working with children with special needs and also the passion of mine with music. So, Well, I appreciate what you're doing, and I'm glad to see that you're here at the panelists, and hopefully it's going to be very informative for all of us, and maybe we can make some constructive change in a positive direction for kids with special needs. I sure hope so. Thank, Thank you. you. Next, Patrick speaks with John Bartfield, Director of Special Education in San Mateo Foster City School District. Okay, we have the honor of having... John Bartfield from San Mateo Foster City School District. Excellent, John. Can you give us a little uh, background of yourself? Sure. Uh, Well, I'm Director of Special Education, and uh, I've been in special education for about 20 years. Started off in the classroom, um, special day class teacher in Richmond, California. And uh, from there, I I went to be a school psychologist for about 10 years in in, uh, West Contra Costa Unified and San Mateo Foster City. And 
in 2012, March of 2012, moved into administration and became director of special education. Well, I congratulate you on your many years in working in special needs. I live in Foster City, and I know that they greatly appreciate your work. And it's also good to see the different panelists we have back here, too, uh, representing the county. So I think it's a great turnout. Um, I had an opportunity to interview uh, Steve, who helped organize uh, some accountability questions that they had in the district. Mm -hmm. what is, uh, one of the questions I had, and, and, and it, it probably affects the community colleges, there doesn't seem to be any programs in the community college that I'm aware of, especially for kids with, or young adults, I might say, with autism. Yeah, and, and we are a K-8 district, so um, I have to say that okay. e even even the high school world uh, with, with um, transitional and vocational services and things like that is not my area of expertise. Um, I, I'm learning more about that, and we do work closely with the high school district, but I have heard that there is a lack of, of that available uh, at that level. So I, okay, I, I think I, you, you're definitely right on there. I did teach uh, in the Sequoia district a lot. And what I was a little disappointed in their district is they were teaching, teaching students to put sprinklers together or pencils in boxes. I didn't see that as constructive way to get them into having a career. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, I know that, um, uh, that student, you know, it, any students with any any sort of disability can be productive members of, of society, and uh, there are uh, various skills. There's I, there's various um, uh, entities that 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 are, are glad to hire those folks, and they're very helpful. Um, so uh, I, I do think I think there's been a trend for some for some better uh, programs and vocational you know skills trainings and things like that. So. I want to I want to say hands off to all the paraprofessionals that work with special needs uh, children. A lot of people don't realize that we have a lot of paraprofessionals in both school districts that really put their hours in and time in. Absolutely. Um, is there going to be more certification for these paraprofessionals? I know it's been a, a kind of revolving door. With it. most of them seem to be just pretty dedicated, either parents or people that might be retired. Yeah. Um, so. You're exactly right. Uh, we have um, actually over a hundred paraeducators in in our schools. We have twenty schools, and um, they are the the work that they do is amazing. They work, you know, with individual students. They work with with full classrooms and um, amazing, dedicated folks. And uh, you know, right now, our our we don't have that requirement. You know, that they have certain training and and they can uh, to to come in. Um, one thing that we've had discussions about is, you know, possibly having a, you know, a, a higher level of, you know, a behavior therapist or, or a different um, classification where, where those folks might have more training. But right now it's, you know, we, we bring um, folks who are eager to work with, with special needs students and we provide them kind of on the job training and uh, ongoing um, uh, you know, professional development when we can. Well, I, 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 I had the opportunity in the school district to be kind of like to sit back and be one of those paraprofessionals while I was going through Notre Dame. And I saw a, a big challenge for a lot of the teachers to come in with the master's degrees with special ed because it's either a fit or it's not a fit, uh, working with the kids and the paraprofessionals. And it's a really challenging position. Is there any new education out there or a new way to pick somebody, uh, it's a difficult thing. It's real difficult because it's pretty much dominated by women in, I, in, in the field. And I, I know that there's one 
PE instructor that's in the district. It's excellent. He works with all kids of all disabilities. Yeah. Uh, is there any more push to get any more men in the, in that field? You know, I we're always happy when men when men come and, and apply and want to be a part of that. Um, what I have seen is. Um, People who may be working on or thinking about going in education and being a teacher, thinking about going into special education, um, uh, you know, they may even be in credentialing programs. They want to start working with kids, and um, we do have quite a few male paraeducators. Um, it's it's unfortunately, um, obviously, it's it's you cannot live on that on that um, that pay uh, that that they get. So um, a lot of times it's, it's uh, people who are just starting their career or, you know, people who it's not a, it's not a money thing, so they, they just want to work with kids. But we are seeing a little bit of an increase with okay. more men. Are we having any problems in the district because of the high cost of rent and the high cost of housing? Are we losing some of those paraprofessionals? We're losing uh, paraprofessionals. We're also losing lots of teachers and um, uh, service providers. Um, I would say that staffing is... Uh, Right up there with with uh, one of our major challenges, um, we have a huge turnover uh, with the cost of living, plus um, just not as many people going into the field right now of special education and in credentialing programs. There is just a lack of of um, candidates out there. So, absolutely, it's, it's okay. An issue. If you had one wish tonight to achieve tonight, what would you like to see the panelists to collectively agree on? Collectively agree on. That's a good question. I, I think it, I, I don't know about collectively agree. I, I just um, I'm really happy to have this forum. Um, you know, being transparent with parents and being collaborative, uh, and uh, you know, forming relationships is a huge focus for us in our department. So having a venue like this is great in the in the communication. So I'm just happy to be here. Well, we welcome you here, and, and I appreciate you taking the time. And most of all, I appreciate that you work with kids with special needs. Thank you so much. Next, Patrick speaks with Carolyn Swartzboard, who's the director of special education in the San Mateo Union High School District. Okay, I'm honored to have Carolyn Swartzboard. She's the director of special education in the San, San Mateo Union High School District. Well, welcome, Carolyn, to this panel. Um, if you could give us a little background about yourself. Okay, sure. So I have been a special ed director in um, Portola Valley and Woodside School Districts. Um, and then recently, well, after Woodside and Portola Valley, I moved to East Palo Alto and I was an assistant superintendent of special education and the Ravenswood Self-Improvement Plan, and then a year and a half ago, I came here to San Mateo Union High School District. Well, welcome to San Mateo Unified High School District. I appreciate yes. that you're here. So how many years of uh, special education do you have, or, or do you want to tell us? I don't really want to tell you, but I did start as a preschool speech and language therapist probably 30 years ago, and then um, decided to leave the classroom um, after 10 years, and then I've been in administration close to 20 years. Well, I have some experience in the Sequoia High School District, and, and uh, just a couple comments that I made. With, with I, I appreciate all the paraprofessionals that we have that, that assist the uh, master teacher, so to speak. Um, are, are they working on new curriculum? Because some of the curriculum that I worked with with the special needs high school students mm -hmm. uh, was putting sprinklers together or pencils in boxes or assembling different things. 
it, it would seem that maybe we need to broaden that training, so to speak, or maybe bring in somebody like Home Depot or or uh, Best Buy or something that would maybe have some other type of training skills that these young students or young people would have out in the work field. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? Well, I think that's a great idea. We have um, a wonderful vocation department that really helps students with all kinds of things, from uh, resume writing to job coaching out in the community. We recently are participating with the company SAP. For um, We provide um, internships for 12th graders with uh, students with autism, and we're always looking at more um, uh, possibilities to provide internships and other kinds of training. Okay, I'm going to ask you kind of a tough question, but maybe you can answer it. <laughs> My thesis, which is in 2010 on the uh, autistic uh, mainstreaming in San Mateo and Santa Clara County, it came up with a statistic in San Mateo and Santa Clara County that we had a, in the last 10 years a 275% increase in diagnosed autism. My question to you is, do you think there may be a little over diagnosis there, or do you think these diagnoses in the last 10 years actually did have that much of an increase? Well, I I do think it has actually been the increase an increase, and I think um, one of the big reasons for the increase is we're really looking at a spectrum disorder. So not only are we supporting students with cognitive delays who are also autistic, but there is a continuum to very high functioning autistic spectrum disorder students. I think that's a pretty good answer. The other question that kind of uh, amazed me with special needs is that the transparency of how the money is spent. Um, It appears that it goes into a special needs fund, but they don't categorize which particular area. It's just that there's state and federal requirements that if a student needs certain kind of care that the district has to provide it. That's right. So it's, it's really called a free and appropriate public education. And so um, a student with a disability is assessed and an individual education plan is developed. And the, dis- the school districts are responsible for b- bringing supports and services to students in their classrooms. Um, I think there has certainly been uh, increased focus and... Um, Uh, work and professional development work done around having many more students integrated into general ed classrooms with access to the curriculum. So we have in San Mateo County uh, an inclusive model that also includes includes co-teaching. So our um, um, ed specialists actually support kids in the general ed classroom. Well, I know one of the other challenges is, and I've worked on a one-to-one basis with uh, especially autistic uh, ch- children, is the cooperation of the teacher uh, mm-hmm. in merging them in the classroom. How do you think we should approach that? Some of them want to give them grades. Some of them don't want to give grades. Um, and, and I guess uh, to them, they don't have the training mm-hmm. or maybe not even want to do it. So yeah. do you have any answer for that, or is that... Uh, just an ongoing challenge we're going to have? Well, I think it's a really complicated um, process. I think 
I, I really feel strongly that the IEP team really addresses the issues of grades, certainly at the high school level. And, um, and general ed teachers' input is really important. And general ed teachers also need to have a better understanding of um, um, universal design for learning, for example, where uh, students have accommodations and modifications that help them access the curriculum. Well, for the public, why don't you explain what the, what the IEP is so, okay. that, yeah, so that they understand. I know you and I understand it, yes. but they don't. Okay, sure. So an individual education plan is uh, actually a legal document that uh, is required once a student is eligible to receive special education services. And um, there are many different requirements that the federal law, which is called IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, um, the federal law uh, has these requirements for students to be to receive services and supports um, based on um, uh, a student with a disability, and grades are part of that. Accommodations, modifications are part of that. Every student has a set of goals based on their area of need, and so. Um, it's really important for not only the ed specialist or the special ed teacher to understand and know about a student with a disability, but it's also really important for a general educator to be also be involved. So it's a complex process, and um, IEPs, or individual education plans, are reviewed annually. And... Um, the team then looks at how the student is participating and progressing, uh, primarily on their goals and objectives. Well, I want to I thank you, Carolyn, for taking the time, and I really greatly appreciate all the cooperation from the district. San Mateo County rocks on this. Let's get it going. Okay. Thank you. Finally, Patrick speaks with Lisa Warren, who has a son, Logan, with special needs. Hi, this is Patrick, and who am I speaking with? Hi, Lisa Warren. My son, Logan, is... Um, autistic in a general ed setting. Okay, you put the mic a little closer if you want. Okay. I, I special. I actually taught in Sequoia High School District uh, autism. My my master's thesis on mainstreaming autistic children in San Mateo and or uh, San Mateo County and Santa Clara County. How old is your son? Uh, he is five and a half, almost six. He's in kindergarten. Okay. Are you happy with uh, the education right now? I feel that he's in a great uh, setting. Um, he has a wonderful teacher who also, before she was a spe- general ed teacher, she was a special ed teacher. So I feel like she's a bit more prepared. So you're in a, your son's in a school in San Mateo here? He is. He's at San Mateo Park Elementary. Well, congratulations on that. I'm glad you're here. It looks like we've got a lot of panelists from San Mateo County. Yes. Hopefully we get some answers. I agree. Okay, thanks.
right, so today we're going to get to the thought of the episode. And this thought of the episode is something I think all of us can agree on. And this is something that a couple times a year we have to deal with it. And it irritates every single person I talk to. It's just everybody's completely just done with this and they're just completely over it. And that's this daylight savings time change, right? I think all of us can agree that maybe there was a time when this was relevant. Maybe there was a time when this was important and there was a good reason. But hey, I think that time is done. Most of us are just completely exhausted. It throws us off. And I don't think anyone really sees the point in anymore. So with that, I think it's time to move on from the daylight saving. Just keep it one way. Let's stay with the late hours where there's more light and people can go out and enjoy and uh, enjoy the day more. So let's keep it one way and move on. We'll, we'll do it like how Arizona does it, right? Just stay in one, right? We don't need to keep on shifting. And so that's today's thought of the episode. All right, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.